read to you a few verses here. I want to challenge and encourage us tonight. It says in verse 17, this is Jesus in his home synagogue. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, Luke 4, starting in verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Turn to your neighbor says, that means they was looking at him. And he began to say unto them, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Let us pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its anointing. God, we ask that your word go forth in that anointing and penetrate hearts and lives and destroy and break yokes. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Sure, many of you have heard this portion of Scripture read multiple times in the church, but this is a powerful portion of Scripture. This is Jesus launching His ministry. This is the beginning of three and a half years of open ministry for, the, for, for our Lord and Savior. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Catch this, because he hath anointed me. I want to preach to you real quick. He has anointed me. He has anointed me. See, Jesus in the previous chapter, in chapter 3 in verses 21 and 22, we find Jesus at the Jordan River with John the Baptist. And the Bible says in verse 22 that the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and in thee I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit was imparted through that dove, a symbol of that Holy Spirit. Jesus had been anointed. Jesus had been appointed. It was time for Jesus to step out into his public ministry at the age of 30. This is Jesus declaring to everyone in the room, everyone in his hometown. Catch that. Imagine being in your hometown, standing up and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Imagine being at Thanksgiving, standing up, before you bless the food, everybody's hungry and they want to devour the turkey or the ham. And you said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. Jesus is making this declaration. We find that he sits in the chair. If you study Jewish culture at all, the chair that was designated for the coming Messiah, he sits there, every eye fastened on him and he said, this day, this is fulfilled in your ears. What he was saying is, this is the beginning 
of what God is going to do on earth through me. And I, I, I want to just stop for a moment real, real quick and, and I want to tell you before I get into the meat of this message that I'm not saying we're Jesus. We're not. I'm not saying we're gods. That's a popular thing in culture. We're not. But listen, the Bible tells us that it's Christ in you or in us, the hope of glory. There has something that has been deposited into each and every one of your lives that is to be used for the kingdom. Say amen. Follow with me if you want to to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let me just kind of lay it out. Jesus is kind of, in verse 9, he begins to kind of talk about his identity because Philip is asking him, you know, how, how do we see the Father? Jesus says this in verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father? And the Father in me, these words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Catch this, or else believe me for for the very works sake. You say, what, what does this have to do what Jesus is saying is, when you see me, you see the Father. It's very self-explanatory there. But he said, if you don't believe that you're seeing the Father, let my works speak for who I am representing and who I am. You say, what does that mean? What, what, what are you trying to do? I want to relate this to us as believers tonight. The next verse, because Jesus says something very powerful. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it too. But catch this, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. We find in verse 7, 16 why that's so important because he says, I will pray of my Father that he shall send another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He even goes on to say that he may abide in you. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit that would come down on the day of Pentecost. He said, well, where, where are you trying to go, preacher, with all this? What I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus stood up on that day in our, in our main text in Luke chapter 4. He stood up on that day and he says, God has anointed me to do something. Catch this. He's saying, God sent me here. His spirit has come upon me and he has anointed me. What does, the, what does the text say? It says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. What he's saying here is God has anointed me not just so I can say that I'm anointed, So that I can be used of my Father on this earth and bring back, bring about deliverance, freedom, and bring about healing. 
So you say, where, where, where are we going with all this? I understand that Jesus was anointed. He was God's son. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we are joint heirs through Jesus Christ because we have received a spirit of adoption through Christ, his cross, and his resurrection. And by believing on him, we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you you're Jesus, uh, but here's what I'm telling you. Uh, is He says I'm go- in John 14, I am going to send another comforter. We know this comforter as the Holy Spirit. What he is really saying, and in other terms, there's many names for the Holy Spirit and and attributes that we can label him. But what he is saying is, on the day of Pentecost, there is a time that I have appointed for you and there will be an anointer that will come and anoint your life. And he will launch you into the ministry of my kingdom. What is the ministry of his kingdom? The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, in verse 19, that we are to go. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. That means we have to do something. Ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. The Bible says this in Mark 17. This is what Jesus is saying. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Understand what, it, what, what, what happens in the believer's life as we had come to the knowledge and the saving grace of Jesus. That's awesome. That's amazing. But as pastors been teaching and preaching from this platform, there is something more to this. And it's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Ghost. He is the one that was sent on the day of Pentecost. And it's more than just speaking in tongues. There is a power. There is an anointing that rests with the Holy Spirit in your life. So understand this. If you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you have been anointed. Therefore, that means you have something to do. Understand when kings were anointed, that means they were given authority. And their job was to exercise that authority and to demonstrate their power. Understand that the Bible tells us in ancient times that when a new king would come, they would grab a horn of oil and they would just saturate him and they would pour out that olive oil to anoint him. Anointing is to, to, to announce someone as a successor, to name an heir, to, to appoint someone for authority. That's what anointing is. Understand, church, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you're a blood-bought saint of the living God, there is an anointing on your life. And your anointing's not to sit on a pew. Your anointing's not to raise your hand. Your anointing's not to clap your hands. Your anointing is to go out into this world and live and rule in authority and power that Christ has given you. I'm not talking about kingdom now. We're, 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 we're on a conquest. We're on a conquest not for, not for buildings and cities made of man's hands. We're on a conquest for souls. So the anointer, the anointer comes in the day of Pentecost. Understand some things about the anointer is... In order to be anointed, that means that something has to be poured out. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost in order to be filled Something has to be poured out. What does Peter stand up and say on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Uh, he says uh, that this is that that is spoken of of the prophet Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, you're all flesh. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're all flesh. God came to pour His Spirit on your flesh to anoint your flesh, to anoint you. You say, oh, but, but I'm not worthy. Understand this. I, I'm just going to tell you from personal experience, I'm not the best singer. You heard me play the piano. I'm not the best piano player. I'm not the thinnest. I'm not the best looking. I'm not the most talented. You want to know what my special ability is? My special attribute? Why would God pick me? Why would God use a little boy like me? Because I said, yeah. Yes. Hear me tonight. Uh, me, me and pastor's been having discussions. We had a situation come up last night uh, and I got to see something very firsthand uh, that, that uh, I went to the hospital, began to pray uh, with, with a family I did not know uh, in a terrible situation. Uh, and I began to talk to another minister there uh, and he said, I cannot find uh, men and women of God to come and pray with these people. So what, what, what were you getting at? This is a challenging part. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you, but I got to challenge you because I understand the pew that you're sitting in is not your calling. I thank God that you're sitting in that pew, but there's more to your life than just sitting in a pew and living in the ups and downs. And, oh, I'm on top of the mountain. I got the victory. Oh, I'm down in the dumps. I don't have the victory. That is not a Christian life. We go from glory to glory. We go from power to power. Understand, I know life gets tough. I know life gets difficult. But there was a family last night that needed someone just to pray, just to pray. I'm not anything special. Pastor's done it thousands of times they just needed someone to pray but there's men and women of God that are sitting with the anointing on their life and will refuse to do what God is calling them to do Jesus said God has anointed me to preach to the poor to give sight to blinded eyes God has anointed me to exercise my authority Church, we have to come to a place where it doesn't matter what the world's doing. It doesn't matter what's going on in your finances, your family, your marriage. You've got to come in and say, God, continue to fill me up. I want all the anointing you have. And God, as you fill me up, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour it out to my sons, my daughters, my husband, my wife, my nieces, my nephews, my grandchildren, my cousins, my, my, my co-workers. God, I'm pouring it out. Because what so often happens is something Pastor spoke on a few weeks ago is just like in Esther's story, in Esther's scenario, she didn't want to go before the king. But what did Mordecai say to her? If you don't go, God will raise someone else up. And can I just be honest with you? That's what Christians bank on, the someone else. What we bank on. Y'all still love me? That's the truth. We bank on, well, the, the, the pastor will do that. The worship team will do that. 
outreach ministry to do that. No, 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 no. If God's calling you, that means he's anointing you to do it. Understand that I, I, I didn't just wake up one day and God said, oh, you're a preacher and I learned how to preach. I still ain't learned how to preach. I don't know how, I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is that I, I trust him. And I know that every time, Brother Brad, that I've stepped out for him, he has met me there. It's not about being perfect. I'm not righteous. I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not altogether lovely. I'm not any of those things. But I am anointed, not beyond my own merit, not because of anything I've done, but because there was a cross, because there's an empty tomb, and because there was an anointer that was sent from heaven and poured out in my life. But we bank on the someone else. Hear me today. I'm going to do a little roll call. Anybody know what roll call is? Or attendance. We did this in school and homeroom. And you have attendance and all sorts of things. But how many's ever heard of these names? Billy Graham, Smith Wigglesworth, Earl Roberts, uh, John G. Lakes, Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, we, we can go on and on. Uh, uh, Burt Clendenin, we can name names. Uh, Willie Russell, we can name those names. Uh, great men and women of God, guess what? They were anointed. But if I had a roll call right now, they couldn't say, I'm here. You say, that sounds harsh. No, 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 that's, they're, they're in a better place. They went on to, to receive the reward. But what does that leave you? What does that leave you? Listen, understand uh, that John G. Lakes and Billy Graham and Smith Wigglesworth and Earl Roberts and, and all these great men and women of God, guess what? They're not coming back, uh, but God's calling and anointing you. Uh, he's saying, listen, I've anointed you. Uh, don't look for someone else. I'm anointing you. Uh, I'm calling you. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, he's calling you. Uh, he's anointing you. Uh, he's filling you. Uh, he's touching your life. You say, well, my life's a mess. Uh, well, get in the anointing that God has given you uh, and begin to speak to some things, begin to declare some things. I'm sick of this mamby-pamby religion where we just, oh, I'm just so defeated. I'm just so, get over it. Hear me? Get over it. I don't, we don't have time for this. There's a world outside that's dying and going to hell and they need some people with anointing on their life that'll say, here, I'm here to preach to you. I'm here to minister to you. I'm here to lay hands on you. I'm here to touch your life. I'm here to lay hands on. I'm, I'm here to see you healed. To come to the music tonight. Jesus just stood up. He simply said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. Guys, I'm not, I, I hope you understand, I love you, but I'm not naive to the, the enemy's attacks. I'm, I'm not, not oblivious to it. I don't put my hand in the sand, my head in the sand and just act like it's not there because it is. And it's escalating. We was talking about it privately, but I'll say it publicly. It's no wonder that the enemy would come after the health. After pastor just preached four weeks on a doctrinal understanding of the Holy Spirit. Why do you, th why do you think the enemy would do something like that? 
Because the Holy Spirit is the anointer. He's the one that pours it out. I'm telling you, we, we've got to put our war clothes on. We've got to button down the hatches. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But can you hear my heart tonight? It wasn't easy for Jesus. But he still walked in anointing. He had a whole multitude. You saw all the multitudes followed him. Do you understand multitudes hated him? And we sit here and we spend three days trying to work it out and pray and fast about it because someone posted about us. Let me talk to you like my mama would talk to me. Honey, get over it. No one cares. We've got to get past this. They're going to talk. Who cares? I, li, listen, we're, we're, we're adults. I pay taxes. It's terrible. We've got to get over it. You say, why do you have to get over you, you know, the, the, most, the, the most opportune times that I've had to minister to people is when everything's going wrong. And they, they look over and they say, everyone else is freaking out. Why are you not freaking out? It's, guys, listen, I'm nothing special, but I'm like, it's not worth getting upset about. Because many people say, oh God, I want to transform mine. I want to transform mine. We talk about it all the time. I quote it all the time. We want Romans 12 and 2. I want to transform mine. But you can't have Romans 12 and 2 without Romans 12 and 1. Where he says you need to lay down your life as a living sacrifice. Without a laid down life, you don't get a transformed mind. If you want your stinking thinking reversed, you've got to lay down your life. And I know we all go through struggles and we're here. We're here to lift each other up. But understand what I'm trying to tell you is it's not, it's not wrong to, to feel emotions. That's not wrong. But what's wrong is we, when we let our emotions run us. And instead of getting out of the valley and climbing the mountain, we just rather hang out in the valley and tell everybody about it and let all of our friends come around us and give us attention about oh honey oh honey oh honey can I just I'm just being honest with you we love to throw pity parties we do hey I've been there I love when someone when something goes wrong and someone's on my side that, that feels good but when I what I need to realize is Jesus has never left my side and we're busy trying to work out who's right and who's wrong Jesus didn't come up and say who's right, who's wrong. He just said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He has anointed me. I'm going to preach to your poor. I'm going to heal your brokenhearted. You know what this world needs? Someone that say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And His Holy Spirit has anointed me. And you poor, I'm here to preach to you. You brokenhearted, I'm here to 
minister to you. You blinded eyes, I'm here to lay hands on you. Don't look for someone else because you could be the very answer to the problems that's going on around you. Stand with me tonight. James says it this way, James 1 and James 2. and James 1, he says, we're to be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. In James chapter 2, he says that if faith doesn't have works, it's dead. Understand, I'm not telling you, neither is James telling you that we're saved by works. But he goes on in James 2 and he says, if, if you talk about faith, I'll tell you about my faith and show you my works. Show you that I don't only profess something, I live something. And we live in a culture that loves superheroes. We love to idolize athletes and entertainers. I'm here to tell you, I've never met an entertainer that can save a soul. Never met an athlete that's delivered someone from depression. Here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. In a culture looking for direction, looking for, they call it a hero, but looking for a light is what I would call it. Can I say something to you? He's anointed you. Garrett, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you. Nothing profound, nothing life-changing unless we grab a hold of it. That's when it's life-changing. Realize that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. We worry about, do you understand? We, psychologists think that the human mind worries about 90% of things that will never happen. That's why Paul said to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Stop worrying about stuff. You want to know what matters? I'm going to bust your bubble. It's nothing new. We hear it all the time, but we need to apply it. You know what matters? This. No matters to your children, this. Bring them. If they're kicking and screaming, bring them. Well, I want them to like church. Listen, I grew up in church and I didn't always like it. But church was not a choice. But through all those times, all those years of me not liking it, something got a hold of my life. And it changed the trajectory of my future. I'll tell you two things and I'm done. One, parents, hear me. Do you love me? First of all, you got to tell me you love me. Don't negotiate with your children. That's, that's hard. 
hey, I got a four-year-old and two-year-old and everything is kicking and screaming. That's my doll. That's not her doll. Kicking and screaming. It's not a negotiation. Don't negotiate with your children. Say, I want them to like church. I want them to love God. That's the first thing. The second thing is I want you to understand the reality of the God that you serve and how limitless and powerful He is. 2 Kings chapter 4, I've said this before and just is refreshed in my mind. Woman comes to Elisha and she says, The bondman is coming for my children. My husband is dead, he's gone, he had debts. I need help. And he says, what do you want me to do? I just need help. He says, what do you have in your house? He says, a pot of oil. He says, I want you to go borrow. I want you to get as many vessels as you can. And I've preached on this before. I'm not going to preach on all of it. But he says, shut yourself in. Begin to pour out. She begins to pour out. Something I find so fascinating about that story, Carly, she pours out till all the vessels are full. And then the Bible says the oil stayed, stopped. The oil did not stop until she ran out of vessels. So what does that have to do with the the God that we serve? There is not a shortage of oil. There's a shortage of vessels. Your God has the power. The Holy Spirit that He's given to you, He's anointed you, He's given you the oil. All He needs is some vessels to pour into. He's not out of oil. He's not out of anointing. He can bring you through whatever you're going through. I'm not saying that because it's a cliche. I believe that. But we've got to wake up and stand in faith as Jesus did with such a surety and confidence and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He's anointed me. And Jesus sat down. Sitting down is a place of rest. When you realize who you are, you can rest because you're not busy trying to figure out who you are. Jesus knew who He was. He sat down in His place. That chair was for the Messiah. And he said, this day, Scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. Church, when we realize who we are, we can rest, but we can say this day, what God's Word has spoken over my life is fulfilled. I am who I'm called to be. I am doing what I've been called to do. So I'm going to ask you to come to these altars. You've You've stood long enough. Come to these altars, everyone that will. I just want you to pray and say, God, I just just need that anointing. If you want, hey, I know it's quiet and all this stuff. I don't care. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it can happen today. It's a gift. We'll pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It will change your life. I'm going to ask you to come. Hunter Mefford, I remember the night you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It changed his life. Hillsboro, Ohio, the Holy Spirit met him. It changed 
the course of his life. He, he became a new person. It was amazing to see what God has done and is continuing to do in his life. It'll change your life, young people. It'll change your life, family. But come, whoever will. These altars are open. Come, come, come. Pastor Jade here. I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.